You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Sony Pictures Insidious The Red Door, the final chapter of the Lambert family's terrifying saga. Black Girl Nerds are really big fans of the franchise, and we are super excited to have them as a partner as they release the final installment in theaters July 7th. I am looking forward to this final installment. I'm a big horror movie fan. I'm also a fan of James Wan's work way back in the day when he had done The Conjuring when I lived in Wilmington, North Carolina, which was where it was filmed. I was actually an extra in that movie, so he's a delightful director and he's got a knack for horror. We've got here a spoiler-free breakdown for you so you know all about the film. To put their demons to rest once and for all, the Lamberts must go deeper into the further than ever before, facing their family's dark past and a host of new and more horrifying terrors that lurk behind the red door. That infamous red door. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to grab my tickets and see this. So make sure you get your popcorn and your tickets now and we will see you in theaters on July 7th. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. We are pleased to present to you two incredible, legendary actors who are starring in the film called Murder City, which you can currently find on the streaming app Tubi. Murder City is about a cop and a dedicated family man with a glimmer of warmth behind his otherwise coarse husk. Financially down on his luck, Neil decides to take a job selling a load of dope with his deadbeat father, Graham, which turns out to be a DEA trap. Starring as Neil is actor Mike Coulter, who you know best from shows like Evil and Luke Cage, and legendary actor Antonio Fargus, who we know best as Huggy Bear in Startsky and Hutch. Also in films like Shaft, Foxy Brown, he was very well known in the black exploitation era of films. So we're really excited to talk to both of these actors. This was over at the American Black Film Festival, which is where Murder City was screened. And I had a chance to sit down and talk to them about this film. Keep in mind, this was done inside of a restaurant, so there is going to be some ambient noise in the background, so I do apologize that the audio is not ideal uh, in this interview, but for the most part, you can pretty much hear the interview and hear what they have to say. 
So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast featuring actors Mike Coulter and Antonio Fargus. Sacrificially, that if I give of myself the ultimate, the ultimate gift, that there would be something for my son and for my generations to come. Mike Neal prioritizes his family above all else, and we learn throughout this film that his family drives his decisions. Uh, do you think that the kind of decisions that he makes for his family is an easy road for him, or is it a harder road for him? I think it's all comes down to um, in terms of making choices for your family. It's like it's like sometimes you take the easiest route, which then leads down a, to a shorter path of, of um, destruction. I mean, ultimately, he's surrounded by people who are always taking shortcuts. I think that's the problem. I think you know you talk about his dad, his dad's path he's taken, and his brother who's got some substance abuse problems, and he's sort of you know you know. Um, He's not dependable, not somebody you can, you, you can, you can look to and, and, and actually think there's a future for. And so you're thinking, you're in the, I'm in the middle of that. I'm like a law enforcement officer, policeman. I'm in the middle of this, of this family that, that just, not only are they 
not upholding the law, they're sort of taking shortcuts. But I'm I'm not really indifferent because I'm I mean I, can, I I do little things you know because because it's it's easy you know when you're when you're in law enforcement you're sort of in the middle anyway you're always some you're so close to to the to the crime that it always sort of almost <laughs> almost take it home with you like you're right there I can't tell you how many police officers I've talked to you you walk into a room and you're always faced with the the, the, the question everything is here there's plenty of of, of, of evidence right to, to to put somebody in prison. But if you get, why not take a, have a little taste? You know, there's that other thing about, and, and I don't know a lot of people who have the ability to, to not do that, especially when their family's struggling and they need a little extra money. They're going, oh, you know, and, and that's that's a that's a problem. It's, a, it's an ethical problem. It's, a, it's something that is about character, and you can judge it, but it's really difficult to say no. So I respond to people who struggle with something that seems that seems difficult, and that's what I think. I look at Neil. I see that in him a lot. You mentioned that you talked with a lot of police officers. Did you do a lot of consulting with them on this particular film? No, I just I just collect information over the years. You know, you you see you, you see so many over the years. You know, undercover, uniform, detectives, you know, military. Just you just see people over the years, and you collect data and, and sort of get a perception and, and idea in your head about them. Um, Antonio, what type? What 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 is the quality of Graham that you respect, and what is the quality about Graham that you condemn? The, the whole perspective of being able to even decide that because uh, then Graham was hurt so therefore you know, we have to what happens to us is what we pass on and so getting a perspective on well I'm in it I can't even I can't even see that I can't see where I just know that there's certain kind of feelings that happen as he as he traversed through, through life, and uh, on the outside, I say he's a, he was a survivor at any cost. Whether he had to throw his family under the bus or whatever it was, or to be not engaged in in the pain because his sons were suffering in different in different ways, and he couldn't he couldn't make that connection to give them what he didn't get. But eventually. That turns around. It certainly does. Uh, for you, Mike, what is a quality of Neil? Because I want to ask you that same question. What is a quality of Neil that you respect and a quality that you condemn? Well, I mean, I guess the easy, the easy answer is, you know, condemning, um, crossing the line, condemning, taking a shortcut, you know. Um, putting his family in jeopardy, you know, you condemn that part because people justify things all the time. But I, but I, admire and when I, when I feel like again you know yeah he went to prison but mostly once they come into prison they never really changed their lives they never really turned it around because they've already become a part of the system it's easier to stay you know like Neil gets out like uh, you know um, you know like uh, the character um, said you know you, who wants you you know you're you're, you're, you're you're a dirty cop and you come out of prison like what's what's your next move and so the easier, like you know, it's like being on parole. You know, it's like being, it's like just being out in a halfway situation. It's easier to find something dirty and and and, uh, and criminal to do than it is to get an honest job because people have already they put you in a situation. And so, and also the money, like what money you're going to get versus an honest day's work versus something that you can do it and get a quick lick, like his dad said. You know, it always sounds like, man, if I just do this one job, this one job is going to change 
the perspective changed the trajectory of my life. And I think Neil, if I can say one thing about him, once he got into trouble, he came out and it's like, that's not what we're doing. And, and he and you know, rather rather than run from the city, he decided to change what he was doing in the city. It's e it was easy for him to try to pack up and just run. But if he was gonna try to make a stand and just go, this is not what I'm doing and I'm gonna make it work here, that takes a little more courage. Switching gears here, Antonio, I've enjoyed seeing your work throughout the years, and I also like seeing you in comedy. And one of the comedies that have stuck out to me was um, your role in "I'm Gonna Get You Sucker," <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the scene with you with the platform shoes and the goldfish in there. Uh, so you know, you've navigated comedy and drama, and I wanted to know: Do you have a preference, preference for you know specific genre? And is comedy more challenging for you, or? Well, as a as a young actor, it was easier for me to cry than it was to laugh. And so I've always navigated between those two because the more outlandish the character was, I saw it as a more person who was more in pain. And and I what I was able to navigate was what I call comedic drama. You know, I see people who cry at that scene, and I'm, I'm going to get you something. And then there are people who laugh, and it's somewhere in between the two. That's so interesting. Um, Mike, is there a role that you haven't played um, in, a, like, in a genre that you haven't done that you want to have to? Yeah, I mean, I really, I really like the genre. Genre jumping is my, is my, is what I really enjoy. I think, you know, I think within within different genres, you can find different characters and nuances of, of character. But once you find, like, you find your essence and then you can sort of play with that. And I like to put, you know, whatever unique quality I bring to projects, to various genres, because then it changes my audience. It changes something. It, it gives me a different experience. Um, I like working with different kind of people. Like, you know, listen, there's some relationships sometimes you make in this business and you want to work with a person over and over. And if it's, and if it's something that both of you connect and you collaborate, it's great. But I'm always willing to try something else. And... Genres are something that appeals to me all the time. You know, it's a horror genre or something else that I haven't done. But um, but I'm but I'm really open to the idea that I don't know exactly what genre will will come next. Um, you know, action has been something that's been working um, as of late. You know, I guess you can call evil a horror sort of um, science based drama. But I, I really just like jumping around, so um, I'm open to seeing what comes next, and I try not to think about like what the dream role is, because I think when I, when I was a young actor, and I'm still, you know, I, got a, I hope I got a little more time here, I, I always look at it like everyone says dream role, and I think to yourself, it's a really weird place to put yourself, because that energy you sit focus on this dream role, there's so many other interesting things that have come around that you haven't thought of. Like, we can't, you don't even know, and I think the best opportunities for me have come from things I was, I was not aware of or not even thinking about. So you just kind of leave yourself open. And just, you know, don't, don't look for the left, left hook, because it could be a jab, right? you got to just focus on the whole thing, you know? My last question, since we need to wrap some ways what, why should folks check out Murder City? What is it, the message that people should get out of watching this film? I think that the audience today are so lucky or unlucky that they have so much to choose from. Back in the day, it was like three, three networks, and, you know, and 
four studios. Yeah. So today, the joy is, is that you can you can experience anything. What a buffet, you know. Mm-hmm. What a buffet the young people have today. So I just think be curious. You know, if it's the title, if it's the people in it, whatever it is you may be looking for, you may find it in 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 this movie. I mean, that's how. It yeah, I think it's, I think this movie at the core is about it's about some family family choices. It's about mm-hmm. about a, a family in the middle of a drama. Um, with some little suspense and action, and you're trying to figure out if you care about these people, do you want to see what's going to happen to them in the end? You know, um, a, 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 a guy, a son makes a son is um, father makes an offer he can't refuse, <laughs> and, and then he moves and does the wrong thing, and then the rest of this is about trying to repair the damage, or collateral damage of the decision he made that just like that. So, if you like that kind of a you know movie, then come check us out. I think they also find something that that appeals to them because there are core issues here that resonate. I think that's what good writing is and that's what possibly good acceptance of roles and giving up giving of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So they will find something if in there that resonates and, and uh, take away something. Yeah. Take something away. Mike, it's a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for talking about Thank you. Thank you. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.